Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome back to In the Quran. I'm starving, I'm thirsty, and I think it's a great place for us to continue looking at fasting in the Quran. I couldn't finish the section on fasting last night, so I thought I'll finish it today, inshallah. And as I said to you last night, that we're seeking in this holy month, according to the ayah, to achieve a level of God consciousness. We don't just want to end this month by being those who say that we went on a 30-day obstacle course where we were able to keep away from food and drink. We want to be of those where there's a sudden change in our character, or at least the beginning of a change in our character. So when the ayah yesterday said, O oh, you who claim to have belief, Fasting has been prescribed upon you like it was prescribed on those before you so that maybe you might achieve taqwa. Part of achieving taqwa, my dear brothers and sisters, is to try and remedy the spiritual diseases we have. Try and write down the diseases that you have that a pharmacy cannot necessarily sort out and try and see in the holy month of Ramadan if you're able to work on these. But a second part of achieving taqwa in this holy month very much relates to what I said at the beginning. I'm thirsty and I'm hungry. And I know that in about 50 minutes time, there's going to be a meal laid out for me. The holy month of Ramadan was to remind people like me about those in the world who cannot look forward to a meal. There are many in the world, I'm sure you'll agree with me, who can be counted amongst the poor, amongst the needy. And there are people in the world who we forget the whole year. And it's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in building our characters as human beings first and foremost with the program known as Islam wanted us to remember the poor in the world. Because when I can look forward to a meal, not just look forward, I can actually stipulate what I want. How many of us sit down and discuss a few hours before, what shall we eat tonight? What are you guys feeling? You've ever said that line? Why are you guys feeling tonight? When you say, why are you guys feeling? It's because we live in a world where we've taken God's grace for granted. Part of being a muttaqi is a person who's always thankful for God's grace because they've recognized that there are others out there in the world who may not be as fortunate as I am. Don't get me wrong. They may still be showered by God's grace. I've had iftar. I've broken my fast in a house which you would call the house of people who are relatively poor, but all their children are smiling. And I've broken my fast in houses of some of the wealthiest people in the world. They don't know where their children are. There are different meanings of grace and different meanings of rizq. But part of taqwa that I'm seeking to achieve this month is I'm seeking to be grateful for the bounties that I have. Deliveroo is a bounty. You know, those people who can deliver things to you, that's a bounty. Because in our society, all we have to do is go on an app. Go on an app and I want this meal. Oh, this meal's not available? Look for another restaurant. There are many in the world who cannot look forward to that. The reason I looked at this part of poverty in the second part of fasting is because I felt that I wanted to fast the first day of Shahar Ramadan and then talk about it. Because today between 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock, I was dying for a drink. The weather's changing in London. You're running around. And I had a discussion earlier today. And I want some water. And I'm used to having my water. But for the moment there, I realized that I'm going to have to wait another seven, eight hours until I can drink water. There are people in the world who in this holy month, we still have to donate water to. 
Because they can't order the water that we take for granted. And this wastage that we have of water sometimes, speaker included, is unbelievable. How many times do you finish a majlis and you see bottles of water half full, all lying around? We take that for granted. But it's in Shahar Ramadan where I suddenly realize, Alhamdulillah, that I can even have a half a bottle of water, leave it lying around and I don't lose any sleep. There are people who collect all those because their family are thirsty. Therefore, when the ayah said, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu kutiba alaykum as-siyamu kama kutiba ala alladheena min qablikum la'allakum tattaqoon Maybe you will join the group known as the God conscious who think about the rest of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the holy month of Ramadan. Christians, part of their fasting is to thank God for what he has graced them with and to also remember those who are facing difficult times. And likewise with me as a Muslim in the holy month of Ramadan, that should be my aim, that when I finish this month, I don't keep looking up. Sometimes I think of looking down. What do I mean by that? There are many of us who keep looking up. I wish I had what he has. I wish I own what they own. I wish I travel where they travel. Sometimes that'll give you a neck injury. And none of us want neck injuries, do we? So what we want is sometimes maybe look at those who aren't so well off. It'll give you a lot more peace in your life. And sometimes that perspective is what the holy month of Ramadan wanted to build within us. A thankfulness to our Lord that I'm going to break my fast, inshallah, in a matter of half an hour and I can pick any meal that I want. Let's continue. Ayaman ma'dudat, a fixed number of days. Why was that specifically mentioned? Because of the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was telling them, listen, you're not going to fast 365 days a year. A fixed number of days. Those fixed number of days are important for two reasons. One reason is, of course, that we have to make sure that we're within those days. And that's why you'll see a clamor in the Muslim community. Has the moon been sighted? Has the moon been sighted? Because the ayah is also telling you a fixed number of days is when you fast. You can't take that for granted. You can't take that lightly. Within that fixed number of days, can everybody fast? Not necessarily. فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَامٍ أُخَارٍ Whoever from amongst you is ill and whosoever from amongst you is traveling, then he can make up these days. For example, he can make up these prescribed number of days later on. It seemed that in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, we have an issue that comes up until today. What's that issue? Why can't I fast when I'm traveling? Why can't I fast? I want to fast. I'm all going only from here. To where? I'm going from here to Birmingham for a couple of days. You're telling me that that's difficult? It's not arduous. I'm going to be back here. It's relaxing. I'm going from here to Glasgow. It's a one hour flight. Why do I not have the chance to fast? You'll find that there are some people who say, I don't understand why we don't fast. We want to fast. Even if I go from here to Paris, when I take a flight to Paris, for example, I'm there in no time. So why is it that they're telling me not to fast when I'm not feeling a thing? If traveling is meant to be something that brings you a lot of difficulty, are you telling me that if we take a flight to Glasgow tomorrow and we stay there for a couple of days, are we going to have much difficulties when we're there? Are we going to have difficulties on the way there? Likewise, the Arabs at the time, do you think they found traveling difficult? Not necessarily. The Arabs used to actually see traveling as a day out. Get the camel, let's go on a journey. If it's summer, if we have to go to Syria, we'll go to Syria. And in winter, if we have to go to Yemen, we go to Yemen. They would go in the Shita, they'd go in the Saif, they'd go, they'd travel. 
Here and today and in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and his family, there were people who used to say things like, why is it that I cannot fast when I'm traveling? Have you heard sometimes people say, why is it that when I travel, I can't pray full? Have you heard people like that? They're like, why do I have to pray Qasr? For goodness sake, 22 kilometers, 26 kilometers, it's nothing to me. 28 kilometers, I'm relaxed. Why is it that I have to do Qasr when, for example, I am traveling? Why do I have to shorten my prayers? Why is it that I don't fast? Until today, would you believe there are Muslims who say these lines, the same lines as in the time of Rasulullah And sometimes you'll also find that some of us, when we're ill, You'll find we insist on fasting. I've got a mad headache in the morning. Mad headache. It's absolutely killing me. And I insist on fasting. And you know there are some people who didn't know that it's haram to fast if you're traveling and it's haram to fast if you are feeling unwell. Of course, when I say haram to fast when you're traveling, I'm not talking about that person who, for example, leaves after Dhuhr and is back in his hometown before Dhuhr. I'm saying that if a person says, you know what, I'm going to go and travel. I'm going to go for a few days, less than the 10 days, and I'm still going to fast. It is haram for that person to fast. It's not an issue of a rukhsa. You know what, we give you an option. If you want to fast, you can fast. And if you don't want to fast, it's completely up to you. It is haram for a person to fast while they are in that particular boundary set by law when one travels to the extent let me make something clear Imam al-Sadiq says I will not pray the prayer for the deceased Salat al-Mayyid for someone who dies while they were traveling and fasting this is huge Salat al-Mayyid there are some who've prayed it for a munafiq Salat al-Mayyid, someone who has committed suicide, you pray Salat al-Mayyid for them, don't you? Someone who's a munafiq, a hypocrite, Salat al-Mayyid prayed for them. Someone who commits suicide in Islam, we don't just forget about them. They committed suicide, we don't know what they went through in their final moments. We don't know the hardship that they faced in their life. So therefore we leave the judgment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but Salat is still prayed for them. Imam al-Sadiq says those who insist that we will fast even if we're traveling because we're not traveling something that's making us tired I will not pray over them Imam Zain al-Abideen used to say that if a person fasts while they are ill or they are traveling they have to do qada of the fast because you know someone will say you know what bro I'm just going to do it forget it I'm, I'm not going to miss a fast I'm just going to do it Imam says that that person has to pray qadha. Why? You think that you know what's better for the human being than the Lord? You know, Muslims baffle me sometimes. How do they baffle me? When something's easy, they want to make it hard. When something's hard, they're insisting on finding ways of making it easy. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you, if you have a migraine, don't fast. I had a phone call today. Someone asked me, They've got a banging migraine and they've broken their fast. And they're really guilty about it. Now, guilt from one side is not the worst thing in the world. It shows that your fasting is sincere. You really want to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if your head is banging, a migraine is a killer. What are you doing staying away from food and drink? I remember once, even myself, I remember this, that I was traveling 
and I ended up seeing my sister on the way. When I saw my sister on the way, she looked at me and she could tell that I was not feeling well. And she said to me, why are you doing continuing to fast? You clearly are not feeling well. Some of us do fall into that trap where we're like, you know what? I'm still going to fast. It is haram for a person to continue fasting or to fast knowing that the fast is causing detriment to their health. Someone says, Sayyidna, who exactly in Islam can determine if I'm ill? Listen, I'm not talking about someone who just wakes up and says, you know what, I had a long night last night with the boys. I just like, I'm dizzy. That's not ill. However, even that, if you know that fasting is going to cause an effect on your health, even then it is haram to fast. Even further than that, you are your own judge. Ultimately, the Ahlul Bayt say that you've been entrusted to make your own decision. Yes, I can seek the doctor's advice as well. The doctor might say to me, for example, that me continuing to fast is not good for me. That's enough for me. So here, when the Quran was saying that a person, if they are, whoever from you is ill, or whoever from you is what? Traveling. Then what? Then you make it up later in the year. Anna, tomorrow I wake up. I had someone who called me a few days ago. He says, I live in Toronto and I need to go to Ottawa and I need to go to Montreal. Now, they said to me, can we fast? We have to ask a couple of questions, of course. These are the laws related to fasting. We ask, for example, do you travel regularly? Yes. Are you Kathir al-Safar? Are you someone who travels a lot? Are you somebody who may have a home over there? If after passing all of these, the person still saying, no, I just go there once a month. Okay, so why would you be allowed to fast? No, no, I just want to fast. You can't. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying in the Quran, فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَىٰ سَفَرٍ He doesn't say after that, then there's a rukhsa. It's up to you. It's up to you. You want to fast or you don't want to fast? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, on the contrary, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does he do? He says to us, if you are fasting or you are traveling, then what happens? Then it is... Something that is to be done at a later time. You cannot turn around. Someone says, why? What was the Prophet's philosophy for this? Because if a person is just going to go from here to, for example, Manchester, or from here to Glasgow, what is the Prophet's philosophy that a person isn't given that opportunity to fast? It's not that tiring or it's not that arduous. The Prophet, peace be upon him, his family uses certain words. Amongst them, the words, Hadiyah. Hadiyah, what's Hadiyah in English? Hadiyah means gift. We agree? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet says, has given a hadiyah to this ummah. What is this hadiyah? The hadiyah that when they travel, they don't have to fast and their prayer is shortened. That's a hadiyah which is given to this ummah, correct? That when we travel for a certain period of time, then we do not have to what? We do not have to fast. And our prayer is shortened. He then says, when if you were to give a gift to someone, would you like if they gave it back to you? No. So when Allah has given you this gift, why do you want to give it back to him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you a gift. What's that gift? That you don't have to fast, for example, when you are traveling. Or that when you pray and you're traveling, you have qasr. Do you agree? Allah has given you that gift. Would you return a gift given to you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If someone gave me a gift from a certain store, I'll look for 16 day back guarantee and I'll give it back to them if I don't like it. Where's the receipt? When my Lord has given me a gift, 
How dare I return it back? So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa tells the people, if you gave someone a gift, would you like them to return it back to you? No. So when Allah has given you a gift, that when you're traveling, you don't have to fast, or that when you're praying and you're traveling, let's say for example, there is qasr. This is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How dare you return it back to him? Yes, you may turn around and say, I'm trying to be more religious. Nobody knows your religiosity and what helps you reach taqwa like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't need to come and say. In another line, what is the other line that said? Not just hadiyah, sadaqa. One of the sadaqa which Allah gave us was that we don't have to fast when we were unwell. I'm unwell. It's a sadaqah given to me by Allah. If you gave sadaqah to someone, would you like it? They return it back to you? No, you wouldn't. So when Allah has given you a form of charity, how could you return it back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Therefore, here what we have is from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu until London, until today in London, you'll still find people until today in London who'll say, yeah, but why can't I fast? I'm, I know I'm not feeling well, but I'm going to try my hardest. Yes, try your hardest is one thing. But to insist when you're not feeling well and your Lord has said that when you are ill, then do it another day. Said, Look now, we break our fast at what time at the moment? Let's say 10 past 8. When it comes to October, November, what time will we break our fast? Five. You just wait until that time. This is a, a loophole within the Sharia. Wait until that time. And then by the time you've woken up, especially the camera crew at, at, at uh, Imam Hussain TV, the moment they wake up, what happens? The moment they wake up will be about four o'clock anyway. So you'll find that everybody will wake up and straight away what will happen? They will be able to break their fast. And that's what many people do. They'll wait until a later period. Let's continue. So here it says, Then there's an interesting line. An interesting line. And for those who have what? You see, this is the beauty when you look in the Quran, aspects of fasting are given to you which are miles away from what we normally discuss. What does it mean in English? He has a great taqa. What does it mean? Taqa means a particular capacity, energy, strength. Do you agree? Taqa. As for those who have a particular energy, a particular capacity, meaning it is hard for them to fast with their capacity, but they can still fast. Example number one, our grandpas. See our gramps, 65 years old, 68 years old, and they still fast. You'll see them, Shahar Ramadan, your grandfather will be breaking his fast with you. And you're thinking, gramps, you're old. Gramps has an option because he falls under the main category of Their taqa is up to a certain level. It's different from our taqa. Our taqa, when we're youth, we're like stallions. So our taqa is what? Our taqa, Shah Ramadan comes, I'm able to look after my fast comfortably. If we're being realistic, many of us go through the days of fasting pretty well. But when it comes to our grandfathers, for example, you'll see they have a taqa to fast. They have a taqa. They have a certain energy to fast. But maybe not enough. What is the option for them? The option is that they are what? 
a redemption for them is fidya. You know, sometimes you see the words in the laws of fasting. You have fidya, redemption, and you have kafara, penalty. Here there's a fidya. If that person in his old age, they're able to pay a fidya, okay, a certain amount. I'm not concerned about whether it's a pound or 120 or 140. I'll come back to this fidya in a second. So now the elderly, for them, they are under the group of They are the group who have a certain capacity. If they can't fast, then they pay a particular fidya. Who else? Maybe another who falls into that category are the pregnant ladies. A pregnant lady can fast. But if a pregnant lady knows, for example, this is something that will bring her harm, then that fast is to be postponed. Or a fidya may be paid. Of course, we have maraja who differentiate between a lady who is pregnant between month one and month seven and a lady who's pregnant from month seven until month nine. Yes, obviously the ones from month seven to month nine, there is a difference of opinion when it comes to how obligatory it is for them. Those are facing the most difficult times and they could do it for later, for example. But what you have is that of someone pregnant, that is not the taqa of that same lady if she wasn't pregnant. She's now carrying another human being. So likewise, there could be an option of a Fidya, another group who may fall under this. These are discussions which you have in Islamic law. Another group, you have a daughter, nine years old. A daughter who's nine years old is her taqah to fast, for example, in London or to fast, for example, in parts of Scandinavia or parts of America. She has to fast sometimes how many hours? 20 hours a day. She's a nine-year-old. What do you do? Again here, there is a question raised. Some of the ulama teach us if that person is a nine-year-old and she finds the fasting difficult, then what can she do? She can, for example, take that which is sufficient to help her until she finishes the fast that day. So maybe she may take, for example, some water or something to eat. She continues the rest of the day trying to observe the fast. But there's a recognition that her taqa may not be the taqa of everybody else. Therefore, وَعَلَى الَّذِينَ يُطِيقُونَهُ فِدْيَةُ refers to those people who are like the elderly, the pregnant, the one who's just become baligh. Those people, there may be a fidya that may be paid. Now someone says, Sayyidina, exactly how much fidya? Someone says, oh, £1.25. No, 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 it's £1.70. No, 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 it's £2.21. Look at the next part. What does it say? Whoever can give a bit more than what's written. If now I see a certain trust, for example, a certain charity, it says the fidya this year is £1.20. Why not give £2.40? Why are you being stingy? Give more. There, there, there's so many poor people in the world who you can help. Why stick? The Quran says, Whoever gives that bit more, then that is very good for them. But if those people who are elderly, who find it hard to fast, if they can finish the fast, if the pregnant lady can finish the fast, if, for example, the 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old can finish the fast, it's better for them. Yes, it is something which is better for them. Why? This fasting is blessed because it's in the blessed month in which the most blessed book was revealed. 
question في الشهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن المبعث النبوي is what date المبعث normally what date do we remember the مبعث the beginning of the announcement of the prophethood when it said اقرأ بسم ربك الذي خلق what is the date 27 Rajab, do you agree? 27th of Rajab. 27th of Rajab, there are some who ask the question that on the 27th of Rajab is the Mab'ath al-Nabawi. The Quran was revealed to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and his family, with the words, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, iqra bism rabbika ladhi khalaq. What date? Said Murtada? Said Muhsin? Hajjina? 27th of Rajab. What does it say here? الذي شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق was on twenty seventh of رجب. Here it says شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن. So is it رجب or رمضان or شهر رمضان? Because in our mosques, when we come on the twenty seventh of رجب, you have some mosques which celebrate the Mi'raj. But we know the Mi'raj took place more than a hundred times. There are many different dates for the Mi'raj. There are others which call it Al-Mab'ath Al-Nabawi. 27th of Rajab. They say 27th of Rajab. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Iqra was revealed. But here, what does it say? Here it says, Shahr Ramadan al-Ladhi unzila fihi al-Quran. Question. Unzila fihi al-Quran al-Inzal wa-Tanzil. Difference. Tanzil. Inzal. Tanzil, step by step. Inzal, all of it descends on the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa One may argue, one may argue, I, there are different opinions here, I don't want to go through all of them. One may argue the 27th of Rajab was the beginning of the step by step revelation. One may argue, Shahar Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Quran, unzila on which night? Laylatul Qadr. We agree? Inna anzalnahu fi Laylatul Qadr. There is an inzal and there's tanzil. Maybe the tanzil began on the 27th of Rajab. And the inzal, inzal means what? Means the whole Quran placed into the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi It descended from where? It descended from the Lord down the heavens to the first heaven, to Jibra'il. From the first heaven, Jibra'il carried it to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Go to Surah Al-Talaq, Surah 65 of the Quran. We're going to have a, a number of discussions on divorce in the Quran uh, coming up very very soon in this series, uh, my dear brothers and sisters. But if you go to Surah 65 of the Holy Quran, you'll see the last verse, if I'm not mistaken, it's near the end. Um, yes, if you go to Surah 65, verse 12, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Allah alladhi khalaqa sab'a samawatin wa min al-ardi mithlahun. Allah has created seven heavens and from the earth similar to them. يَتَنَزَّلُ الْأَمْرُ بَيْنَهُنَّ لِتَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ أَحَاطَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا Notice here, what does it say? That the Amr, the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what happens? يَتَنَزَّلُ الْأَمْرُ بَيْنَهُنَّ لِتَعْلَمُوا Therefore, Laylat al-Qadr, Shahar Ramadan, this month is a blessed month, a month of fasting because the Quran was revealed when? 
The Quran was revealed in this holy month, in Shahar Ramadan, revealed to the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Therefore, you found here Shahr Ramadan, and this remaining part is a is part we see it in a dua which we recite after Salah in Shahr Ramadan because they Shahr Ramadan الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس. Sorry, it continues. فمن شهد منكم الشهر فليصوم. Whoever of you witnesses this month, then they have to fast. ومن كان مريضا أو على سفر فعدة من أيام أخر. Again, there's a repeat of this. Why? Because there'll always be people who will say, Why do I? Why am I not allowed to fast when I'm traveling? Why can't I fast when I'm traveling? Or they're gonna insist. I don't care if I'm ill. I'm gonna finish the fast. Even if you're gonna see me take it to hospital today, I'm still gonna finish the fast. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala repeats this again. فمن ومن كان مريضا أو على سفر فعدة من أيام أخر. Then Allah explains why. This next line is the philosophy of all philosophies. What does the next line say? يريد الله بكم اليسر ولا يريد بكم العسر. Allah wants to bring you ease and not hardship. You know this principle, Allah wants to bring you ease and not hardship, becomes one of the most important principles in usul al-fiqh. In the principles of jurisprudence. But it's a principle I believe us as Muslims don't apply. It's lip service. Here Allah is saying, Baba, I want to bring you ease and not hardship. You can combine salah, you can separate salah. Some Muslims insist. Anna, I'm going to separate salah. Okay, Habibi, it's up to you. But these Shia, they combine salah. My Prophet combined salah, my Prophet separated salah. When my Prophet was asked, why are you combining? What does he say? يريد الله بكم what اليسر ولا يريد Allah subhanahu wa taala wants to bring ease and not bring hardship. There are some of you; it's going to be hard for you to get home in time before salah becomes qada. There are others of you who what? There are others of you who will make it. But if you can't make it and you think it's going to be qada, pray at work. Combine dhuhr and asr. Combine maghrib and isha. Therefore, when a person says that these Shia, they pray three times a day. Buddy, I don't pray three times a day. I follow the principle which my Prophet gave me, which was in the Quran. Allah wants to bring us ease. What did I say earlier? Muslims, when things are hard, they want to make them easy. When things are easy, what do they want to do? Make them hard. Sometimes this I can apply. I have a forthcoming discussion about hijab in the Quran. And we can apply this to hijab. Allah wants ease, not hardship. Does every lady in the Muslim world have to wear exactly the same looking hijab? Every lady has to wear the same abaya. Every lady has to wear the same mantu. Every lady has to wear the same chadar. Every lady has to look exactly the same. No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to make sure that the limits of sharia is what we have looked after. After that, don't bring hardship on the people and terrorize their life where they never want to talk about religion again. You're not wearing hijab, that means you're not religious, you're not religious, you're not wearing... The person's trying, step by step. This religion has come to bring ease, not hardship. Maybe where they live, there are certain circumstances. I who live in London, there is a certain circumstance for me when I'm wearing, in contrast to the one who's living in Holland, in contrast to the one who lives in, for example, parts of, let's say, America. So here, this was an, a part of a principle. When I'm telling you twice, not once, if you're traveling or if you're ill... Don't fast. 
Stop asking why. I have given you a hadiyah. Don't return it back to me because you insult me when you return it back to me. Let's continue. When it continues to say, so that you're able to finish those days that you're missing. Mathalan, you were ill, said Murtada, for three days this Shah Ramadan. Comes after Shah Ramadan, you go ahead and what do you do? You make up those days, okay? And that you're grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he's still given you a chance. How beautiful is the mercy of Allah that he says, listen, if you can't do it this month, don't worry. Don't worry. Come back in a couple of months. Just do that niyyah and do it again. وَإِذَا Because وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي When my servant asks you about me. فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ I am near to my servant. أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِي I answer the supplication of the supplicant when they supplicate towards me. وَلْيُؤْمِنْ بِي Look at this. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُ لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُ بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ When my servant asks you about me, don't make it sound like I'm going to burn them, I'm going to throw them in fire, I'm going to punish them. Tell them I'm near. I answer the supplication of the supplicant. When the supplicant supplicates towards me, I'm closer to you than your juggler vein. You can fast in the holy month of Ramadan. You can. If you can't, do it later on. Don't worry about it. Don't force yourself into a position where you're in so much pain because of an act of worship. Sometimes, wallah, the flavor of an act of worship. Sometimes, the whole flavor goes because we put ourselves under a pain that you just never want to go near that act again. There are some people who hate some acts of worship because of what? Because of the pain associated with that particular act. Allah SWT is saying, relax. You're traveling. You've got work. Okay, there are conditions. There are laws. But you don't fast while you're traveling. And if you're not feeling well, don't kill yourself that day. Next verse. Next verse is interesting. And we'll conclude with this verse. This next verse has a whole host of issues related to fasting. أُحِلَّ لَكُمْ لَيْلَةَ Okay, now, permissible for you in the night of fasting is to go towards your woman. What's all that about? Now, we know very well that for people today in the Muslim world, they know that when I break my fast until suhoor, I'm able to have a relation, physical relation with my partner. Do we agree? Everybody knows this. When the verses of fasting were first revealed, it was forbidden for you to go to your wife in that period when you're fasting. It was forbidden for a person to go to their wife in that period after you've broken your fast. I know that while I'm fasting, I know that I cannot go towards my partner but after i break my fast everybody today will take full advantage of that at that time when the verses of fasting were first revealed you weren't to go to your partner and have physical relations interesting allah uses the word rafath allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he uses the word rafath he tries to use words which are sensitive he tries to look at topics which are sensitive by using words which are also recognizing the feelings and the emotion and the sensitivity of the topic. Do you ever use the word rafath when you're talking about sexual relations? You ask an Arab, have you ever used the word rafath? Arab will be like, bro, which rafath, which I? I use the filthiest language when it comes to these things. And it's sad to say, but there are many Muslims in the world today who when they talk about these things, they'll be using language which is extremely filthy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the modesty is shown which he wants manifested in his creation. Because if you looked at this word normally, 
Ask many Arabs. You know, many non-Arabs think that us Arabs, because we speak Arabic, it means we understand every word in the Quran. I guarantee you, said Murtada, if you had read this ayah, would you have any idea what Rafath means at all? Ma'ash, I ask you, would you have any idea what Rafath would mean normally? Hussein, Rafath, ask many in the world today, Rafath is not a word that they're associated with. So you had here, Allah says, permissible for you, is that you go towards fulfilling your desires with your woman. They are a clothing for you, and you are a clothing for them. What do we mean when we say they are a clothing for you, and you are a clothing for them? What does clothing do for everybody? Clothing does what? It protects the human being. So therefore you protect your wife, she protects you. Don't just think about your sexual desires in the holy month of Ramadan and not think about the feelings of that person who's with you. That person who's with you has feelings and you have feelings. Allah says, they are a form of clothing for you. You are a form of clothing for them. Why? Because what's the Arab thinking? He's thinking, bro, you know what? I've fasted. I've broken my fast with a chunk of dates. And it's hot. And that person's thinking on an animalistic level. Islam at the beginning said, there is no physical relations after you break your fast. Because it knows some of these guys forget food. That's all they're thinking about the whole day. They have on the one hand the palm trees and on the other hand, what do they have? On the other hand, they have the heat. Islam said at the beginning, no. And Islam said, these ladies, they are a clothing for you and you are a clothing for them. Clothing, what does it do? Number one, clothing protects you. You protect them, they protect you. Number two, what does clothing also do? Clothing beautifies you, true? As in most people who have some sort of style, in many cases, their clothing will beautify them. Do we agree? For when it says, it's Ramadan, and I know, I know that physically you have mad desires in this month. You've gone from the time of sunrise until Maghrib without being able to go near your missus. There are some people, Shah Ramadan is a major test for them. When the law of fasting was first revealed in the month of Ramadan all those years back, there were some who couldn't take it anymore. The Quran, before giving them permission, said, remember that these ladies beautify you. These ladies protect you. Think about their feelings as much as you think about yours. Because we're going to come to discussions of men who'll just come home. Is the food ready? She's been cooking the whole day. Talk with respect. In the way they protect you, you protect them. In the way they beautify you, you beautify them. Talk to them with a manner of decency. We know that in Shahar Ramadan you've been away from them for 18 hours and you're dying. You're steaming. The steam's coming out of your head. You're going to explode. When you're going to explode, have that level of respect. Why? Listen to what Allah tells them. Allah knew some of you behind the back of Islam were going and having uh, relations with your wife. Some of them came to the Prophet, peace be upon his family. They said, Ya Rasulullah, we know we're not allowed, um, but uh, we lost it. 
Why didn't Allah just from the beginning allow them? Allah wanted them to realize the end goal of this month is to be above being an animal only. Yesterday we said animal eats, we eat. Animal sleeps, we sleep. Animal drinks, we drink. Animal has sex, we have. But go above that. We're going to allow you because we know you can't handle it. With, that, with those palm trees and with that amount of heat, no Arab's going to handle himself. And that's why the Quran says, listen, listen, listen. You are sneaking. There were a group of youths who came to Rasulullah. Ya Rasulullah, we got something to confess. What is it? Um, you know, you said that we can't go to our wives. Like we got hitched like a few weeks ago. And you know, you said that we can't go near them. Um, we went last night. Sorry, Ya Rasulullah. Quran came and said to them, listen, we know that you betrayed yourself. Allah forgives you. Allah accepts your tawbah. So you know what you're allowed to do also? You're allowed to have physical desires fulfilled with your wife, no problem. And also you're allowed to eat all the way until suhoor, all the way until what? Until fajr. Someone says, we already know that. The ayah here says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, wa kulu, wa shrabu, hatta yatabayyana lakum al-khayt al-abyadu min al-khayt al-aswadi min al-fajr. Why am I allowed to eat until Fajr? For what reason? Because of this ayah. The reason I'm allowed to eat until Fajr is because of this ayah. But someone says, why mention it specifically? Because at the beginning, some of the Muslims were under the assumption, if I get home, iftar time's there, it's Maghrib. I get home, I want to eat. My missus hasn't put the food on the table and I knock out. If I wake up and I haven't broken my fast, but I still wake up, for example, before Fajr. Today, if I wake up before Fajr and I've missed iftar, can't I munch just before Fajr? Yes. But in those days, they had assumed that, no, this was not allowed. And so you would find some of them, what would they do? They'd continue fasting, having missed iftar until the next day. Bro, I would lose it. Honestly, look, we can look at these companions of the Prophet, peace be upon his family. Some of them were basic. Some of them went through intense hardship. This uh, Mut'im ibn al-Jubair. Mut'im ibn al-Jubair was digging the Khandaq in the Battle of Khandaq while fasting. He's digging the Khandaq, the trench in the Battle of Khandaq, and he's fasting. When you get home, what's the first thing you want? Your missus to have the food ready. Do you agree? The missus said the food's not ready. The man slept and he slept. He woke up. So, but now that I've woken up and I missed iftar time, uh, it's after Maghrib and Isha, now I can't eat. He continued fasting all the way until when? He continued fasting all the way until he comes to Khandaq the next day. Now, if you come to Khandaq the next day and you're digging and digging, what's going to happen to you when you haven't eaten for all that time? What's going to happen at that moment? You're going to faint. He fainted. He passed out. Quran said, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, wa kulu wa shrabu hatta eat and drink. Send you have a khayt abyad on you? Like a white string? No. Do you have a black string? If I got a white string and a black string, how would I know if it's fajr time through a white string and a black string? Adib and Hatam al thought it was literal. Adib and Hatam al Came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, Ya Rasulullah, I read that, uh, you know, I, 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 the ayah was revealed that I'm allowed to eat and drink until what? Until when those two halos are seen in the sky or the streak of dawn becomes manifest from the black streak. 
the thread of dawn becomes manifest from he said I put a thread I put another but I couldn't tell until it became full light Rasulullah started laughing so much they say the back teeth of Rasulullah was showing from how much he was laughing because sometimes people imagine Rasulullah as someone very serious they imagine him as extremely serious true Rasulullah couldn't stop laughing he said to him, no, no, we don't mean it like that. When we say here, those two halos in the sky, one of them, you know, sometimes you hear people saying it, Fajr al-Kathib. Yes? They say, uh, they say, what does it mean? The fake dawn. Instead of spreading on the horizon, it spreads vertically. Whereas the true dawn expands and covers the whole sky. The point was for us, it was telling us, well, you can't really see it in built-up cities where we live. You know what I mean? You can imagine at that time they would be able to tell. The point was to tell them that, listen, you can munch. You can munch all the way until when? Until Fajr. I know we have imsak and people have a precaution. You know, some, many Muslims say that it's wajib on me to stop at imsak. Imsak is giving you a precaution. It's giving you an indication that 15 minutes left or so that you've been given a certain amount of time. It's until then it says what? Then from Fajr you continue your fasting until when? Until Layl. Sunni and Shia, their iftar times are the same or different? Different. Can it be the same? Yes. Because there are many Shia who ask me that I get invited to one of our Sunni brothers or sisters' houses. Can I break my fast at the same time as they break their fast? Ulama in the Shia school, when they look at this ayah, thumma atimmu siyama ila layl, you'll see the difference of opinion. Is Maghrib sunset? Or is it when the redness has completely disappeared? Or is it that I as a Shi'i am waiting 5-10 minutes more than everybody else to gain some reward? There are some ulama who will say Maghrib is sunset. Some who will say you have to wait for redness to completely disappear. Because you've seen some of us. We look at some of our brothers and sisters in other schools in Islam. When they break their fast you look in the sky and say Baba still red. Some Shia ulama say that that doesn't mean you can't break your fast at that moment. Some say redness must. Some say redness must have completely disappeared. Others say Maghrib is sunset. Others say why do you Shia always wait longer than everybody? You're invited to your friend's house and you'll always see the one Shia guy is not eating and everybody else has broken their fast. And it's like the fast is at 8.10 and the Shia hasn't broken until 8.27. Some might say that I'm doing that to gain extra reward, to earn extra Reward to make sure that I'm on the side of precaution, for example. But we cannot say that unanimously all of our scholars say that a person cannot break their fast at the same time as, for example, our Sunni brothers and sisters are breaking their fast. When the Quran says, There are some who have the opinion, Maghrib is sunset. Others who say the redness must have completely disappeared. And a third group who say, I prefer to be of those who waits for a certain period until I gain my reward. Therefore, that's us completing fasting 
a series of verses from verse 183 of Surah Al-Baqarah until 187 that shows us the historical dimension, the social, the ethical, and the legal. And inshallah, that will have an effect on our fasts for this month and every month. Tomorrow we continue with another topic in the Quran. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hey, 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 hey.